2: Välkomna till Ronnys rullar. Ännu ett avsnitt av den eminenta filmpodden. Och nu har jag it's a Det visit here. It's att I have Gary Lewis with me here, som many of you know. And now we're going to talk about RIG45, RIG45 and his other career. Welcome to Ronny's Reels, as we say, Ronny's Roller. Hey. Thank you <laughs> so much, Ronny. Good 18, to see you again. Eighteen years
1: ago, you know. Eighteen
2: years ago. I remember, I remember
1: <laughs> sitting on the rooftop of a hotel in Cannes. Fantastic. It was glorious sunshine, like it is
2: here today yeah. in Stockholm. Yeah. And we were talking about Billy Elliot. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, we we will come back to that. We should start with what you're um, in the spotlight for now. It's this uh, Rig 45. Yes. Where you are, you are Scottish Douglas. Yes. And I've seen two of the uh, episodes. And we don't know where we have, as it's kind of um, that ah, this is the bad guy and this is the good guy. And you are, in the beginning, we, we feel that you you should not no, <laughs> tell no. how no, it is. No, no, I want, I want. I think there are many layers to this character. But how was it and, and how has it been for you to kind of be a bit pigeonholed to play the dad or kind of a mushy guy? Well, I wouldn't say
1: pigeonholed. Um, this this guy is uh, yeah yeah you can tell you can tell from the beginning you're not giving too much away that Douglas is not on the side of peace and goodwill <laughs> on this planet but um, yeah there's uh, but you're also right when you say there are many layers and uh, this is what's so attractive and intriguing yeah. about Rig Forty Five. Yes, you ask a lot of questions from the word go. Uh, from the first episode, there's so much. You're thinking, mm, what's going on here? In the second episode, you're drawn deeper and deeper. Yeah. And then then you realise, I hate to say this, and you realise we're in real deep water. We're out of our depth. <laughs> we're on the rig. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's very thrilling, very atmospheric.
2: Yeah, I thought it's, it's like, as you say, a sh- you're a theatre man as well. It's kind of a chamber play, isn't it? It's very... But um, so well, I have to see. It's that. like an island, and yeah, it, I'm thinking yeah. of you know ten little Indians and uh, murder on the Orient Express. Uh, yeah, isn't
1: it? <laughs> I know what you mean because you have this uh, enclosed location. Yeah. I have to say, I'm surprised that uh, when I read the script, uh, it seemed uh, it was so great and so. Immediately clever and engrossing that I thought. I wonder why nobody's done this before. Mm-hmm. It's a great idea uh, for this to be set on a oil rig. We're the maintenance crew. It's not the whole ensemble of workers on the rig. We're the maintenance crew mm-hmm. carrying out necessary repairs, and. Uh, Then, you know, things, things start to go bad.
2: I also, without any other comparisons, but I'm thinking of, you know, Nostromo and Alien. Yeah. You're, you're in a close, and there there is a monster, but here is someone amongst you that is the murderer, isn't it? I felt exactly, I felt
1: exactly (laughs) the same in terms of the, um, with your, your reference to Alien. Yeah. Yeah, this struck a chord with me as well.
2: Working class guys. Yeah. Yeah. And um,
1: And (laughs) And there they are. And there's, there's there's no way out. They're in the North no. Sea. There's no way out. I mean, you could have said that, you know, in the middle of the North Sea, nobody mm-hmm. can hear you scream. It's, um, yeah, they're at the mercy of the elements. They're at the mercy of each other. Yeah. They're at the mercy of their own past. They're, and everybody they're,
2: got to look, watch uh, their back. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Even you. Even me. <laughs> well, you can't say, you can't give too much away, no, because possibly. ultimately they're at the mercy of a killer. Yeah. and um, Nobody trusts anybody.
2: Now, how is it? Because this is another TV series. You had done a lot of TV. I mean, I, you remember back in the days when we met them before that, when I was yeah. in Cannes, someone's Treat Williams said when he was really down and out, he said that TV saved my life because there was too much Hollywood with what, you know, what comes with that, with yeah. sex and drugs and alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. And then TV was a uh, kind of a savior. But, Today it's very the TV is the new black, isn't it? So it's true. It's uh, there's so much. I mean, we have to
1: thank the Scandinavians for this hugely <laughs> yeah. because uh, the bar was raised here. This is where the um, I think you know is where alongside things like The Wire, um, television from uh, Scandinavian countries really kicked up the bridge yeah the bridge the quality of things yeah. and the Nordic crime that yeah. are a part of in a way isn't it's, it so. absolutely yeah and uh i think a lot of um uh, productions in other countries started to look oh not not quite so good in the light of uh, a lot of the Nordic noir yeah. so going back to um like film i still work on film i worked on a film last year called Troutman but yeah, the the, the television is a, is a much greater force yeah. now.
2: So, are you on stage anymore? Or have you are you too? I wouldn't say old and lazy, but have you become that you don't? No, talk I'm, I'm certainly not lazy. <laughs> the
1: only problem with doing stage work is yeah. everything I get offered is um, it goes on for such a long time. It goes on tour, and uh, it just wow, it just is endless. Some of the tours are yeah. endless and uh, uh yeah the, the the plays are attractive but i don't feel like being on the road for so okay. long but anymore. being on stage live with an audience on, must be fantastic yeah yeah it's the best there are some plays which um i would love to do there was a, i did a rehearsed reading of a uh, an adaptation of uh, bertolt brecht's mother courage oh. tom Leonard, a wonderful scottish poet um, adapted it and it was so good, I thought you know i would I would drop everything to do this to be on stage doing this, yeah. so some things really hit you, and uh you think, yeah, I need to get it's uh, i mean there was a gap of um about seven years between I used to do theater all the time, and then it, it had been seven years before I was on stage, and I did a play in Edinburgh. And it was so, it was so good to get back into the theater. It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It felt You smile now when you say (laughs) (laughs) this. Yeah. I mean, when you're standing in the wings, you're wondering, what the hell am I doing here? Why do they (laughs) say yes to this? You know, on the opening night, you think, oh, God. But um, once you get going, of course.
2: Yeah. It's so good. Going back to your childhood, when you were younger, were you... Was this the dream of yours since you were a young guy, a young boy in in, in uh, Scotland, to to be an actor? or
1: No, no, because I mean I was brought up in the in the east end of Glasgow in a working class uh, housing estate, and um I don't think it, it was never really on the radar. I loved the films. My father took me to Saturday matinees. We saw, I mean, I saw great films. I saw the Magnificent Seven, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> Von Ryan's Express. Yeah. Um, the Great Escape, you know. So my father took me to to the cinema and uh, for me it was incredible. I remember when uh, he took me to see West Side Story and I was just blown away. Then it was when I got to uh, high school and the English teacher, he started a film club and he showed us the Ken Loach film Kiss. Oh. Yeah, I'm glad
2: to hear you say <laughs> oh, Ronnie, because this is... Uh, this I mean, we're was the a, same generation. Uh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're the same. So. And I'm Ke- working class as well. Yeah. So, for well, me it was right into
1: heart, you know. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it was, was, we were in the same place yeah. here. Kess went straight into me. Yeah. It was the first time I'd seen in the movies, uh, uh an in-depth, uh, portrayal of a, of a working class boy, um, where they weren't, weren't just like cartoon characters in the background. It was his life. And this, this, uh, I suppose planted the seed. which made me burning think. in the heart yeah. About, yeah. yeah. So can you imagine how wonderful it was years later to work, to work with, with Ken? With the legendary yeah. Ken with the legendary. A legendary couple of times. And, and
2: Peter Mullen. And and Peter was Mullen. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that, I mean, this was, uh, I, I, I didn't know where the door was when I was a kid. You know, I didn't even know there was a drama school in Glasgow. So. No, it wasn't.
2: On but the what, what do you think? Because uh, one thing is that you're Scottish and uh, Scot King England's is interesting. I, I met Sean Connery uh, at yeah. julian as well. But I'm thinking you know, of one thing that I love are these people say, oh, they are so tragic. But those kitchen sink dramas, how come that you make them so good over there in, in the Great Britain?
1: Well, you know, people like Ken Loach are, I mean, Ken Loach is a master. He's, he's legendary because he pays such close attention to detail. Yeah. And, um, it starts, you'll notice, if you look at the credits in the Ken Loach film, you'll notice that the, a lot of the crew are the same. So he, he establishes a team, um, a team, a team which knows how he works and, uh, he, and he can trust and they're very talented. So the casting director, he collaborates a lot, of course, now with um, Paul Lafferty, the, the writer, the terrific writer. And, um, but and a lot even of, the makeup. A lot of amateurs. Yeah. Well. Oh, yeah, yeah. A lot of non-actors. Well, I wasn't yeah. trained. I didn't go to drama school. Ah, so, no, oh, no. So I, d- I wasn't trained in the formal sense. I, I learned a lot through, from actually, life. from, uh, from <laughs> life and from working. <laughs> I was very fortunate in, uh, when I was doing theatre people started to make uh, short films in in Scotland and I was asked to take part in a lot of these short films and that was my universities yeah Yeah, that was a a terrific training ground for me
2: so but this tradition of kitchens in dramas that are so I don't know what it is, but when I see a film like that, and I see, we, mm-hmm. we would, of course must talk a bit about, you have Carla song and stuff, but I think of Billy Elliot as well, mm-hmm. who has a kind of a feel good feel to it, but it is at the same time, kind of a tragedy. Well, it's a working class story as well, isn't it? With, with the mining the strike. Yeah, so absolutely.
1: I mean, I think in terms. Brash and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, and played. Um, <laughs> have you seen played? Oh, of course, played <laughs> is fantastic.
2: Wow, what, yeah. what an
1: incredible film. Yeah, and, um, So how
2: come that you have this great, the British uh, kitchen sink dramas with a feel-good touch? What, what like, is it, do you
1: think? <laughs> well, the, well, you're right about the tragedy. I mean, these films were set...
2: But they give hope.
1: They give, hope, yeah. yeah, they give hope. Because right. it never dies, isn't it? Yeah, so? yeah, that's right. And that's, I mean, it's the, well, the context. To make a film in the context of the minor strike... Which was a defining moment in, in, uh, in Britain's history. I mean, Billy Elliot will be like a, maybe it already is. It's like a chronicle as well as being a, a great film. Yeah. It's like a chronicle because, um, I mean, young people see it now and they ask about words like picket lines and strikes and, and it's interesting the, just how things have changed, you know, the labor market, how much things have, mm. I mean, Thatcher, Succeeded in destroying the mining industry and destroying the National Union of Mine Workers and uh, That had a huge impact for uh, Working conditions for people in, in Britain
2: And I wonder of course, we're nearly the same age and, uh, and This time in the late 70s when the punk movement. Yeah, how, what, what did you how did you relate to that? Oh, I thought
1: S- punk was wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> I still do
2: <laughs> Yeah
1: I still do. Mm -hmm. I mean, the idea, just kicking it all to hell. And uh, for me, it wasn't the nihilism. It was, oh, just, you imagine, like, um, just the energy
2: that you You can play music, you know, it doesn't. And all the great bands that came from from Scotland with The Zone, Simple Minds, Skids. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. People are listening to Skids uh, again now. Yeah, Yeah, still. I mean bands like uh Primal Scream still going. Oh yeah. You know, Bobby Gillespie coming out of the Jesus and Mary Mary Chain. chain. Exactly, (laughs) yeah. So I mean phenomenal uh music movement in Scotland. Phenomenal. So you
2: were right in the middle of I that because did. you were your 18, yeah. 20
1: years Yeah, Yeah, I went to see The Clash. I can't remember it, but I've, I've got the ticket stub. I know I was there. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to be at The Clash <laughs>
2: concert. I can't ah, remember God,
1: it. how stupid not to be able to remember it. That was a mistake. Okay.
2: Have you started with theatre at that time because you were in your...
1: Well, yeah, theater. because I was involved in um, community theatre and yeah. uh, political stuff. Uh, from the area where I was brought up. So I was involved, but, um, I didn't actually give up the day job until I was in my thirties. Okay. Right? So I was doing stuff, but then I was working in different places. And sometimes I was able to, uh, maintain contact with theatre. And sometimes right. it was impossible because of the work and the time commitment. And then I went and studied, uh, um, not drama, I studied history and, uh, but, and when I was studying, I got involved in student drama, crazy stuff.
2: Yeah. Uh, sounds like an English man. It does. It uh, sounds like it's yeah. a game on. Yeah. <laughs> it something. Like it's okay. Well, well, I, I, what I wonder is, will you ever return to the stage, you think? Yeah, I would like to. Like I yeah. say,
1: there are some things I would really like yeah. to do. And, uh, yeah, so.
2: What do you have? You been playing Macbeth and stuff like that? No, I've never played is Macbeth. That, or do you have a dream to No,
1: it's, it's not necessarily a dream to do uh, Macbeth or anything. It's, but there are plays which uh, are so good—not necessarily Shakespeare—but there are plays which are so good that it would be it would be wonderful mm-hmm. to do. I mean, phew, hey, the the thing is obviously as an actor. It depends. It depends on lots of things. But generally you can't um it's like films. We are so so privileged actors, you know. Like take Rig forty five, to use the oil rig analogy. You know, somebody um researches, somebody finds the best place to put yeah, the rig, yeah. you know, they they go to the seabed, they they is, is this is this a place, is there oil here and they construct the rig, you know, and then all the engineering, the work's done and then the actors land on it and we get to play on this this thing which has already been constructed yeah. people have been working in pre-production for years and then after we leave then it's post-production yeah. they have to <laughs> refine it then they have to market it and sell it transport it distribute it and we you know we are so privileged we land on a structure which many many people have uh, have um, put a great deal of effort into yeah. For a long time, the scriptwriters, the producers, you know,
2: how, how was how was the cast? Oh, the cast was
1: terrific. I mean, as you know, well, it's an ensemble piece. Yeah, it was, it was. I mean, can you imagine Finnish, Danish, Swedish, Norwegian, Icelandic, Scots,
2: and Irish? Yeah, wow!
1: <laughs> what a wonderful, <laughs> perfect
2: clip. Europe project. Yeah,
1: yeah, and Per is a great director, and hey, I, I mean, he really, really is a wonderful guy to work with. Yeah. He gives you space to explore the scene. Um, it was terrific to work with Kali, uh, the cinematographer. And when you watch it, I mean, I don't know people. So I, I usually just get engrossed in something. Even if I'm in it, I, I just forget. I just watch it. So um I've seen the first two episodes of Rig 45. Yeah. You know, the first one it starts and starts to build and the second one, it's, oh, Jesus. <laughs> and But when I reflect back, I have to say the... the the cinematography is, is, is terrific. Yeah. yeah. And, and the, the settings is great. It's absolutely is. brilliant. So, but
2: as you said, do you have, a lot of actors have problems to see themselves on the screen. No, I,
1: I, for me, I, I kind of forget if something is good. I, I can't honestly <laughs> sound really stupid. I don't have a problem seeing myself. Mm. I kind of forget. And then I pop up and I go, Oh God, it's me. Um, it's, no, I kind of just watch the yeah. show. I don't, I don't watch the monitor much when I'm, uh, when I'm working, but on rig 45, I, I saw a couple of, uh, takes on the monitor. And, um, yeah, that, that was my, uh, that was when I first realized that it looks really great. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's cool. <laughs> it's cool as, you know,
2: it's, uh, it's, it's great work. Yeah. Let's go back to another great work, Billy Elliot. Could you ever imagine when you did this small little film that it should be that success? And I loved by everyone.
1: No, I, I didn't. One guy did. One guy uh, I remember that he was the costume designer, um, Stuart Meacham. I remember we were, um, we were getting ready. Uh, where were we? I can't remember the scene exactly. Um, but we were in Easington in the north uh east of England and uh I was in the caravan getting ready and Stuart came in and he said, uh, I've just been watching some of the stuff. This is this is gonna be really special, you know. And I I wasn't paying I didn't really want to get into that thinking ahead and I, I looked at him, and he said, No, really? This is going to be really special. <laughs> so up until that point, and even after that point, you're just doing your work. You're focused on doing your work. But uh, when it came out, I saw it the same as you for the first time. You can. I saw it at the same time as you.
2: And you were, you were cast on kind of a euphoria well, there on the... Everybody, you well, when you everybody your... stood up
1: to <laughs> applaud, I stood up to applaud. <laughs> <laughs> it was a... <laughs> I wasn't taking the applause; I was giving the applause yeah. because I I loved the film, you know, yeah. and um, I thought that Jamie was outstanding, yeah. and uh, and Julie and, and uh, Stephen Daldry had great. I mean, everything. I loved the music, you know, the yeah, Clash again, and it was T Rex, T Rex. A lot of T Rex.
2: So <laughs> I was I was
1: blown away when I saw yeah. it, and it was uh, it, it got a terrific reception. I think that's when. I started to recall Stuart Meacham's words back in that cold, damp day in the northeast of England when he said, yeah, this is going to be really special.
2: Yeah. You've also been, uh, it's a fantastic film to see and see again. I went to London with my son when he was younger to see the music Oh, well. the stage show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. And we saw Tom Holland, now a Hollywood star. Oh, yeah, Spider-Man. yeah, <laughs> yeah, me
1: too, yeah. I saw that too, I went with my son as well. Yeah. And uh, I was so intrigued. Like, how are they going to do this on stage? And, uh, oh, again, I was on my seat clapping and cheering at yeah. the end. That's ah, wonderful. Wonderful.
2: And you met with a real Billeriot as well? That the guy who was well, of, Yeah, well, the...
1: Oh, God, who was it? Um This oh, dancer. Yeah, I forget mean, the name. I forget the guy's yeah. name.
2: We, we, we google it but ah, you, yeah, yeah.
1: You, did, you, did you meet him before yeah mm. well we met the, met the 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 writer well obviously met the writer a lot and um he told us about the stories during the minor strike but i, I didn't meet the um, the actual actual guy oh, yeah. you know
2: uh met, met with the writer who told mm. us his experiences and, Stephen, the, the director. How, how what did he say to you about how to form your character, the dad? Because there's a lot of anger in him, it seems. I mean,
1: isn't it? Stephen, I mean, he's this was Stephen's first feature film. Can you imagine? So, nah, he he's a great director, but he 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 was already uh, a rec- recognized as a wonderful um, theater yeah. and theatre director, and. He'd done a couple of short films, but uh, he was very happy to let you come to him with ideas. Yeah. And, and I was very happy to give him plenty. So, yeah, he's, he's, we, we, to use a Billy Elliot analogy, we danced a lot, you know. We um, you, you collaborate a lot, yeah. Yeah.
2: You also, being, we have to. I know there's a lot of people who want to meet you here. You, you worked with Scorsese as well, guys from New York.
1: Yeah. How yeah. was that? Well, that was another great director, obviously. <laughs> Jesus, what can you say? <laughs> Martin Scorsese. But he, um, from the word go, before we even started filming, I had to, had to go out to Rome. We filmed in Cinecittà in oh, Rome. Oh, yes. and. uh <laughs> That's, you know, it's an incredible set by the great Italian um, designer Dante Ferretti. And uh, so I, uh, they asked me to go out to, to meet Martin Scorsese and yeah, I was I was delighted, but they had this kind of, a, it was almost like meeting the Pope, you know, you had to go through so many people and through so many doors and okay. every time you went through another door there was another... Guy in a smart suit saying, "You're going to meet Marty. You're going to meet Marty." And I'd say, "Yeah, yeah, that's why I'm here." Oh, you're going to meet Marty now? I go, "Yeah." When am I going to meet Marty? You go through another door into another room, and another guy says, "You're going to meet Marty." I go, "Jesus Christ! How long does this go on?" You know, it's like the Godfather. Yeah, it's like <laughs> the Godfather. And and I wasn't I wasn't nervous. I was looking forward to meet yeah. him, but this whole process was wearing me down, and uh, so eventually. I came into the room, and I was introduced to him. And uh, like I told you, I studied history. As for my dissertation, I studied the American labor movement, and um, like trade unions and labor struggle strikes in, uh, in America. And um, going way back to the, the foundation of the early trade unions in the States, and how different the labor movement, the, the labor movement's development was there a uh, lot of noise there. <laughs> uh, compared with um, like European countries, where like in Germany and in Britain, where they established a Party of Labour, so which didn't happen in America anyway. I'm, I'm going to end up giving you my dissertation here. So anyway, <laughs> the connection is: I go in there and uh, start talking with Marty and um, ask them a question about um, the use of guns. At that time. And, uh, I said I'd read, you know, but, you know, strikes could be very violent affairs in America. The bosses would hire these strikebreakers who would basically fire on the strikers. They would shoot the workers and, um, and, and mining strike in many occasions. And, then um, we started talking about this and much to my surprise and delight, he had uh, a great knowledge of this. And so, there was I steeped in an understanding and an analysis of American labor history. And here's Martin Scorsese. He impressed, was impressed, <laughs> Well, not that he was impressed. <laughs> he knew a lot about it. Yeah. He was, um, no, he, he was interested. Mm-hmm. We so, I mean, we, we engaged with each other. Um, and we actually had a good talk. And then from that went on, you know, talking about the era, the context in which the, you know, the, uh, gangs in New York is set with the abolition of slavery and the, 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 the waves of, um, migrants coming from Ireland, escaping starvation with the potato famine and them, um, and their clash with ones who were already there, uh, who had a different culture, different religion. So it was, it was a great starting point because we talked about history and, uh, his knowledge of cinema is encyclopedic as I'm sure you know yeah. um, but it's not you know it's very insightful and it's he, he he's actually great he's wonderful to talk with so I don't know I could talk for hours about that
2: one Ronnie <laughs> <laughs> but working with him would do working with him also. well
1: you know the thing is he too was open to ideas Um if you brought him stuff and suggested it to yeah. him he would take it on he would well he would consider it and if he thought it was good, he would take it on board. If he thought it was rubbish, he'd throw it aside, <laughs> but he really would take yeah. on board. So I was delighted when I would make suggestions to him and he'd say, yeah, let's do that, you yeah.
2: know. And you had your, you, He's from England, he's not Scottish, Danny Day-Lewis, but he was in the film as well. He's the best,
1: oh, oh yeah. Jesus, he's the best. I mean, uh, yeah, I feel, yeah, I'm really, I'm really glad that I worked with uh, Daniel Day-Lewis yeah. He's uh he's such a kind generous and wow incredible talent yeah. So the words fail me i just watched the um, phantom threads there yeah. and uh yeah everything he's 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 uh, great to watch on screen and he's um great to work with he's yeah. a he's just a wonderful guy
2: Finally, I want to thank you for this time and just some words about Troutman because this seems to be a fascinating story about this. Yeah. A German from the Nazis who became kind of a hero, is it so? Yeah, it's
1: a great story. It's a great story for the times that we are in because um, when Bert Troutman was in a prisoner of war camp in England after the Second World War, he was, uh, spotted by a local guy as being a good goalkeeper. He would basically try and save shots from other prisoners for cigarettes. And, um, he, he was asked to play for Huddersfield. And, um, when he was there, he was spotted by Jock Thompson, uh, the manager of Manchester City at the time, yeah. who signed him for Manchester, for Manchester City. And, uh, Troutman got terrible abuse. Um, because he'd fought with the Nazis in the Second World War, and the position of um the manager was that the war's finished. He was a soldier then, but he 's a footballer yeah. now, and um I think this is a great story for our times. Bert Troutman triumphed you know from being someone who was abused terribly I mean he was booed even by the home fans, you know. Yeah. Others boycotted the games. People um, threatened him and uh, his his family, and he he came through all of this to become a heroic figure. He was a goalkeeper, famously in the FA Cup final, where he uh, broke broke his neck in the early fifties. He continued to yeah. play. He didn't. He, he he was. It's really an extraordinary story, and um, you you should. It's it's just so much. They praise this film for so um you should look out I'm for looking treatment. Forward to see. Uh,
2: Thank you Gary. It's so nice to, to, see to see you again. Nice to see all you again. Nice to see you again.
0: <laughs> Cheers. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to quince